Mr. Pop. Dark. Hello, and welcome to Miskatonic University Radio, a podcast exploring Fantasy Flight Games' Arkham Horror the Card Game. I'm Dane. I'm Dan. And I'm Ben. And today, we're going to kick off a series of episodes where we take an in-depth look at the investigators that have been released so far, class by class. For our first entry in the series, we'll talk about everyone's favorite true blue, steadfast, and reliable combatants, the Guardians. The Guardians! Hooray! Not of the galaxy. I did not preview this intro to see how many card names you could cram into it. Uh, canonically the first class listed in the uh pretty arbitrary order yeah they also they tend to have uh card names that are just kind of like nice fun little adjectives that uh that that go along with them it's great intrepid what we want to do is sort of pick apart uh if you're interested in playing a guardian what each of these different investigators brings to the table and what the differences between them are and also what sort of things you'd think about if you're making a deck for one of these so to that end we're going to try to answer uh five questions for each of these guardians uh what is their greatest strength what is their greatest weakness? And by that, we mean kind of more generally than their, their actual unique weakness. We mean kind of like in general, what are they bad at? What kind of role can they play in a group or on their own? What are some of their favorite cards? And what movie would they star in? Like if, if there were to be a movie made uh, about this investigator, what, what sort of a movie would it be? Definitely the best question. It's the most important one, really. So yeah, so it should be, should, should be pretty fun. So let's kick it off with the first uh, investigator, I guess, chronologically and thematically. Probably for a lot of people, the first uh, investigator that they ever played in this game. Sometimes the first face they see from this card, right? The first investigator ever they'll see is none other than the famous Roland Banks. Roland Banks. The Fed. Rollerino. So Roland's stats are uh, three willpower, three intellect, four combat, and two agility. And we're not going to read their entire cards, but just to give you a brief idea, his main ability is that when he defeats an enemy, he gets to discover one clue at his location once per round. And for deck building, he gets full guardian cards and then up to level two secret cards. And then his unique cards, he's got uh, Roland's 38 special is basically a gun that gets more powerful if there's clues on his location. Other than that, it's pretty similar to a 45. And his unique weakness is cover up, which is a task that he has to do where he has to, instead of picking up clues normally, basically he has to remove clues from cover up. And if he doesn't do that, when the game ends, he takes a mental trauma. Pretty bad. Yeah, uh, you know, it's all right. So what is uh, what is Roland's greatest strength? Honestly, I think it's the fact that he works so well as an independent character. He is just a really great investigator, kind of well-rounded at both of the things that matter a lot in the game, being investigating, getting clues, progressing the game, and staving off the enemies of the mythos, or in the mythos. He's just great at both of those things, and having access to seeker cards is also just a huge boon. Yeah, for sure. He's he's a very good kind of what we sometimes call like a hybrid character um, or like a well-rounded character where he can really take care of a lot of stuff himself. He's good in solo. He's good in like a duo with another kind of uh, hybrid character. And his ability to pick up a clue when he, you know, a free clue without having to do a test or spend an action when he defeats an enemy, that's really strong. You know, it takes a little bit of work to maximize it. Sometimes you're going to defeat an enemy where there isn't a clue on your location, things like that. But it, it works often enough that it's it's definitely really powerful and it's worth building a deck around. Another strength is he has you know, access to seeker cards. That's what helps him be more well-rounded. Let's him both like seeker is like card draw, which is great, and it gives him ways to if he wants to like raw investigate, he can. 
I think maybe he leans more into being able to murder stuff to get clues and maybe some of the cards from Guardian that build off of that. But uh, Seeker is definitely one of the stronger card pools and has been since the game came out. So, Yeah, definitely. I also, uh, I, I don't know if this counts as a strength, but he has what looks like a very warm and protective uh, overcoat and a hat. <laughs> Uh, you yeah. know, in his art, he's he looks pretty well protected from the rain, able to you know walk around a spooky city at night and uh, not get hypothermia or anything. So that's you know that you might not think it's important, but I I think that's definitely an important strength for for Roland. Yeah, I mean it is a trench coat, so it makes him good at evading. No, not really. Actually, <laughs> so, yeah, he's actually he's actually quite bad at that. Like one of his weaknesses. <laughs> yeah. Spe- speaking of which, what are some of Roland's uh, weaknesses, or what what is he what is he bad at? So his base agility is kind of low. And there's not too much support from Guardian or Seeker cards to help him out, being able to evade all the time if he wanted to. Which is mostly fine, because apart from a few cases, like the Vengeance enemies in Forgotten Age, usually killing things is fine. You don't really have to evade them. Yeah, but... yeah, yeah. But it's, but it's not winning any 5Ks anytime soon, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, he has access to Pathfinder, so... <laughs> that's true yeah well yeah we should have mentioned that as a strength, because just a Guardian with Pathfinder is really strong. That is true. Yeah, yeah. And shortcuts, if it matters. Yep. Yeah. I mean, he has a kind of average willpower and intellect. So if he wants to be able to reliably pass either one of those tests, he needs cards to boost that, uh, which he has access to intellect-wise in Seeker, and he has some access to in Guardian as well. There's a couple cards that can boost that, but definitely doesn't have like a natural raw four or five in either of those. So he wants to defend against willpower tests in the Treachery deck, which might hit his very low sanity. Uh, Then he might have to try to compensate for that yeah and speaking about that that is definitely another one of his big weaknesses the fact that he has only five sanity compounded by his weakness uh cover-up which kind of preys off of that as well yeah if you get one trauma from cover-up or some other source in roland which you're fairly likely to do because if he dies it's probably because he went insane it's really rough because then you're even more likely to have it happen again like starting the campaign with five sanity you'd, you'd much rather have like eight and six than nine and five i think in most cases yeah yeah i agree being like that really encourages you to be a little bit more defensive yeah yeah just like using some of the cards that can cancel or avoid damage or so core another weakness for roland is just that his so his ability is very strong but it encourages you to play a deck that's really based on it so a lot of times like dane said roland is going to be very good at picking up clues using his ability by beating enemies and other things like that but he's not so good at just straight up investigating things so for instance, you know, a lot of people might have played Roland through the Dunwich Legacy back in the early days of the game. When you're in the Miskatonic Museum, which is a scenario where there's only one enemy in the entire uh, encounter deck, and it's an enemy that you really don't defeat very often, you often tend to just evade it. How does he pick up clues, right? Like he's not, he's maybe not set up to just like investigate straight up like a seeker would. So being really dependent on enemies, if you don't draw any, or if the enemies have some kind of weird stuff where like you can't defeat them, it makes it a lot harder for him to get clues. Yeah, definitely. Given that though, so overall, what kind of roles does does Roland really uh really thrive in? Like like if you're going to try to build a Roland deck, what are like the best kind of situations to do that? You touched on it a little bit already. He can play hybrid really well, but he also can definitely just go full fighter and just like passively benefit from the extra clue game. He can go full guardian, full weapons, full murder everything, or he can kind of split the wire. That's a phrase, right? No. Not that I'm aware of. <laughs> um, thread thread the needle? Maybe that's there so you close go. to it. That's to it. Something. Got there. Uh, yeah, and he can like lean more into murdering with a splash of getting clues and get a little bit more benefit from Seeker cards. 
Yeah, I think that plays into him being really uh, successful in a solo setting and a kind of like a solo duo environment, just because he is so flexible in terms of being able to get clues and being able to punish enemies really well. He he'll definitely pull his weight in being able to get clues, whether it's just through his ability or even guardian cards like scene of the crime, things that will get you free clues. Tesla's clues is what I mean by that. And then even just like hard trying for some clues with like magnifying glass and things like that. So I think that he works great in a solo duo setting. Yeah. And following on that. So our, the next question, what, is, what are some of Roland's favorite cards? Um, I think you touched on a, a little bit, you know, cards like scene of the crime and stuff that let him get clues based on dealing with enemies. Uh, I would also say one kind of fun direction to go with Roland is the kind of clue dropping build that a lot of people like to play. Yeah. So one of the things you want to avoid with Roland is when you defeat an enemy and there's not a clue to pick up, you're kind of wasting his ability. So you can play cards like Forewarned and Quick Study, which let you drop clues to get some kind of benefit. You know, obviously you want to be careful when you use them because sometimes it's bad to drop clues. But if you use those well with Roland, it can be kind of like a fun way to get extra benefit from them. So those are definitely cards that he likes. I mean, that's a good way to help him with his weakness if he can drop a clue on an easy location or if he's already gotten all the clues in the scenario and he draws his weakness and he needs a clue to discover <laughs> that's a good way to help him easily deal with his weakness which normally would take up you know two three actions <laughs> that's true too and, and and forewarned in particular is just a great card anyway yeah. Oh yeah definitely that also warrants a mention that he is one of the few investigators that got a novella which included alternate signature and weakness cards which kind of also go on theme with that. They allow him to place a clue or pick up a clue from his location or the token bank. And then uh, his weakness is not quite as horrible in terms of putting trauma on the Dirge of Reason, that is. So he can either include both of those in his deck so that he can use his pretty good gun. And also Mysteries Remain, that allows him to pick up clues and things. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, there's advantages and disadvantages to going with either set of signature cards. For sure. Yeah. If he's doing his weapons, then I also can help him lean towards firearm builds. Because there wasn't as much support early on, but nowadays there's like a lot of like, he could build to having big weapons and then also like have ammo cards and the attachments on the guns. And lastly, Dane mentioned earlier, but he definitely likes cards that prevent him from going insane. So maybe something like Elder Sign Amulet or uh, Soothing Melody. Anything that can either heal sanity or prevent uh, taking horror is something that Roland is probably going to appreciate. All right, let's get to the real question. What movie is he starring? Dan, you're the movie expert. I don't actually watch very many movies. But, um, <laughs> he he he's an FBI agent, right? Or he's an agent of the precursor to to the FBI. So that's right. that has a you know a rich cinematic tradition. Yeah, MK Ultra and all that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's the CIA. But uh, yeah, no. So I think uh, the one that we were kind of thinking about was Twin Peaks: Fire Walk with Me because it's about uh, FBI agents dealing with really weird, spooky stuff. Yeah, and definitely. You know, that's kind of Roland's whole deal. So. That guy's like super straight laced and by the book too, right? Oh, yeah. He loves cherry pie. Agent Cooper is certainly <laughs> a lover of damn fine coffee. Yeah, we, we don't know for sure whether Roland enjoys coffee or cherry pie, but he might, you know? Like, there's nothing on his card that says he doesn't like those things. For sure. So, yeah. If you haven't seen uh, Twin Peaks in general, it's great. Go watch it. For sure. If you like spooky settings and uh, by the books, good old-fashioned uh, investigations, it's a good one. It sure is. Should we move on to our next Guardian? Yeah, uh, our next guardian is Zoe Samaras, the chef. I like food. She was, she was from Dudwich. Uh, her stat line's four two four two, so good willpower, good combat. 
Her ability is after she becomes engaged with an enemy, she gets a resource. So enemies give her money, uh, which gives her a lot more money than some of the other guardians. Uh, her deck building is zero to five guardian, neutral cards, and then she can get five level zero cards from any other class, uh, which was the whole, which was the theme of the all the Dunwich investigators. And her special card is her cross. It's a neck item. When she equips it, uh, when an enemy comes engaged with her, she can spend a money to deal damage to that enemy. So it's like a free ping ability. And then uh, her weakness is Smite the Wicked, where God commands her to go and murder something because they're evil. Yay! And it obviously becomes the number one priority when that card comes out. Uh, but it spawns the enemy as far away from her as possible, and if she for some reason ignored God's uh, command, she takes a mental trauma at the end. So, uh, yeah, Strengths, she's she's uh, much more murdery than our friend Roland. For sure. Only has only four combat, and she's definitely, her ability is about getting engaged with enemies and then obviously stabbing them with a knife. Or a gun, I guess. It's harder to stab people with guns, but... Yeah, definitely a blunt force kind of thing going on there. One thing we should have mentioned with Roland as a weakness, probably, is that he tends to be very poor. Guardians, in general, don't have access to a lot of cards that help them get money. Yeah. So they really kind of rely on their investigator abilities if when they those that actually have them. And Zoe's probably the best example of that. She can actually afford to play cards like Dynamite or Agency Backup, uh, cards that are more expensive for other Guardians to afford sometimes. And that's that's really good. Yeah, Guardians often have like expensive assets, so and, and no way to pay for them unless they have an investigator ability like Zoe does. Yeah, this helps her pay for those and then also pay for her events. Yeah, it's a pretty huge boon. I think that one of the huge benefits for for playing Zoe as well is her great will, mm. which definitely should not go unnoticed because there are so many treacheries that deal with uh, will, whether or not you're able to stand up to what's happening around you in terms of crazy, weird, spooky stuff happening. Particularly, especially in the Circle Undone, the most recent campaign, and he, but even in like Forgotten Age has this kind of reputation for being focused on agility, but even in Forgotten Age, I think you're testing will more than anything else in the Mythos phase. I mean, willpower is the stat that is basically only tested by the Treachery deck. Like That's its primary focus. Obviously, like Mystics use it for casting spells, but otherwise Investigators use it as a defensive ability, so that's why we see it more common than Intellect uh, or Combat, because it is a defensive stat for the most part. Yeah, that's how right. we get tested. So having willpower to be able to stand up against treacheries more often uh, without having to commit cards or whatever uh, is definitely a big boon. And lastly, just really quick, I think also being able those those five flexible card slots that Zoe has gives her a lot of flexibility. She can play things like Word of Protection. She can play Drawing Thin, even though it now um, has been tabooed. That's a that's a lot of flexibility. That, that's pretty cool. You can go in a lot of different directions with a Zoe deck because of those five cards. You always pick five cards that perfectly fit her theme, but, you know, that's fine. <laughs> ben has a pretty consistent set, including Meat Cleaver, that he pretty much always plays, but you don't have to play those. She is a chef, for sure. I think that one great direction that that... It gives her a lot of flexibility depending on, like, which, which campaign you're playing. The Dunwich Five, so I had come to term them in the new article series, uh, Investigator Insights. We like to think that it adds a lot of accessibility in terms of how they can play off their strengths. And I think Zoe, again, her will is really, really great. So she can use a newer card called Sixth Sense to great benefit. But we'll talk about that later. Yeah, I mean, she can also use those offslots to help cover for some of her weaknesses. I just it's so flexible. Yeah. And what's better than showing up weaknesses than Word of Protection? Yeah, Word of Protection is great. But I mean, yeah, she has 
she has low intellect, low agility, so she's rough at evading things. She's rough at dealing with encounter cards that attack agility, which usually like kind of hurt her health. And she's not great at naturally getting clues just because her intellect's so low. So as you said, like Sixth Sense is a card that lets her use a willpower to get clues instead, so that's a good way to compensate for that weakness. Yeah, for sure. The only other weakness I might mention quickly is uh, Guardians also don't have a whole lot of sources of card draw, uh, so they also kind of rely on their individual abilities for that. Roland has access to Seeker cards, which helps him out at least a little bit. Zoe doesn't really have much of a way to draw cards, which is okay, because all you really need is uh, you know something to stab people with, and you can kind of just go from there, but I think it's still maybe a weakness compared to some other investigators. This is true. Yeah, so as for like roles that she can fill in a group... As I mentioned, she's a murder machine. She stabs stuff, uh, shoots yeah. things. She can pick up a clue every now and then, but she's not really as hybrid-y as like Roland. And I think she kind of struggles a little bit more in solo because of that. Just because when you're in solo, you can't necessarily just win purely by murdering. Sometimes you do need to like investigate or get a clue uh, in some way. Yeah, she's she's less self-sufficient than Roland in the sense that she does need friends to pick up clues, but she's kind of more self-sufficient in the sense that she is more resilient to the encounter deck and to taking horror. Right, yeah. And she doesn't really need money as much, so that's really good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. As for cards that she likes a lot, I mean, I, I just only play knives in her purely for theme, <laughs> but I, I guess you can technically use other cards. Most weapons are good for her, obviously, because she's a guardian, she's trying to kill stuff. In multiplayer, like, uh, what is it, Upgraded Taunt is pretty good for her. Yeah. She can pull everything on, get a bunch of money, and then if she has, like, Flamethrower or something, then she can then barbecue all those things. Oh, yeah, and that is a, that is a source of card draw that, that I forgot to mention, is uh, Upgraded Taunt. is kind of, like, one of the ways to get that with Zoe. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is, yeah it's a card. You could draw a card for each monster, right? Yeah, so. Right. Exactly. It's kind of situational, but when it works, it's great. Yeah, yeah, so something like Stick to the Plan would help that happen, right? And in particular, in Dream Eaters with Swarm Enemies, you get a lot of cards off of it. Yeah, it's true. It's true. So she's she's a great candidate for that. Yeah. Zoe also, I think, really benefits from uh, Keen Eye because she actually has money to pay for it. Oh, that's and true. And compared to other inve- investigators that maybe have like five combat, she only has four, which is still pretty good. But having a way to pump it if she does need to defeat an enemy that has higher than normal combat difficulty, you know, Keen Eye is a pretty good way for her to use her money advantage to be able to hit things. Yeah, especially if she's not packing large, expensive events. Or allies, she can go like a little bit cheaper and then have the money to keen eye pretty often. Yeah. You know, off class cards, I always just do meat cleaver, six cents, because that's God telling you where the clues are. <laughs> <laughs> and I think there's a card coming up soon that's going to be in a rotation, which is let, gar- let God so- yeah. which is let God so- sort them out. I wish I could talk. I don't know why I'm on a podcast. Uh, so it's let God sort them out. That's obviously going to go in every Zoe deck of mine from now on. It's really close competition for these off-class, off-class cards. I think you're you're boxing yourself in a little bit with with some of this stuff. You can you can you know break out of the mold a no, little bit. You go pure theme with Zoe. God tells her to do. You stab stuff. Machete. Meat cleaver. Time worn brand. Chanted blade. Uh, you know, blade of weapons. Uh, not not the car- actual card knife, which I just remembered was a thing. But, uh, yeah, I guess she could technically play other cards, too. Yeah, and I mean, again, coming back to the Dunwich 5, like, you can you can really shore up the not-drawing weakness by, like, taking some lucky cigarette cases or something. She has great will, so she's prone to pass pretty well. That's true. And finally, which movie would she star in? So, this is a little bit tougher. Um, we thought about maybe The Passion of Joan of Arc or something. But uh, in the end, we picked uh, a movie called Frailty directed by the unfortunately recently deceased Bill Paxton, Rip. which I don't want to give too much away, but uh, it's definitely a movie about uh, thinking that God wants you to kill stuff. 
and uh, it's a pretty good movie. So maybe, maybe check it out. I have not seen this movie, but I assume at the end, God was telling him who was wicked and who to kill, right? A movie that Zoe would maybe enjoy is maybe something more like God's Not Dead 2. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that really directly relates to her uh, experience in this game. So Either way, interesting flicks. Should we move on to uh, the next Guardian? I don't know too much about this Guardian, honestly. I can, I, I can kind of, I can. It's, it's the Guardian that we already talk about way too much. It's, uh, it's Mark <laughs> Harrigan, the soldier. So Mark's stat line is a uh, three two five three, which is pretty great. It's, uh, it's kind of funny. We mentioned earlier that Mandy has like the ideal seeker stat line, and this is basically just the Guardian version of that, where you kind of flip around the um, intellect and combat. Right. So Mark's deal is a little bit complicated. His unique ability is that after damage is placed on a card he controls, he gets to draw a card once per phase. That's great. The once per phase thing is really important because you can definitely trigger this multiple times per turn. Yeah, like three times or something, right? I mean, four times if you really know how to use them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh yeah, for sure. And the kind of, the key that goes along with this is his unique card, Sophie, which is a picture of his his deceased wife. So he can, as a, a free action, he can take a damage to get plus two to his skill value on a test. And then if he ever gets to five or more damage on him, he has to flip it around to the bad side where it makes his stats worse, but you can usually avoid doing that. He also has another unique uh, card called Homefront, which is basically like a really good vicious blow that also heals you a little bit. And then his weakness, Shell Shock, is just for every two damage on you, take one horror, which is definitely one of the least scary. He has a weakness? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of the least actually dangerous unique weaknesses in the game, I think. Actually, I asked Dan the question... What is the most horror you've ever taken off of uh, Shell Shock? <laughs> and I, I think the answer was two. And uh, same for me. And it's usually less than that. It's you know you just keep yourself healed. So it's it's definitely uh, you know we we can like go kind of fast through 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 this guy because we already talk about Mark way too much. But in terms of a greatest strength, having a great stat line of you know five combat three will, and then also being able to boost it by two pretty much whenever you need to, that's just incredible. Like Mark is just going to pass most of his tests, and uh, turns out that's pretty good. And additionally, crazy card draw. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. His deck very fast. That's the even bigger part is he just draws so many cards. Like you, you basically don't have to play any card draw specific stuff in your deck. Your his ability is going to draw you all the cards, especially if you play things like uh, you know, beat cop and other things that take damage and benefit you for that. Yeah, he helps you pass tests and draw cards, which is really what you want to do. Yeah, exactly. For weaknesses though, he does have some kind of weaknesses though, right? It can be a little bit hard for him to like get clues because his intellect is a two. He can think about his dead wife, but there's only so much dead wife thinking you can do before you get super sad and have to use charges on your first aid or your second wind to, to heal yeah. from it. The mark, the kind of like mark team agreement is usually like, I will kill everything and you guys just pick up the clues. And yeah. it, it usually works out okay. Right. Yeah. He's not great at discovering clues. I think he's a weaker pick in solo for that reason because his, his answer to everything is kill and he doesn't have too many extra options like his card pool is just uh zero to five guardian oh also tactic level zero cards but every oh, time shortcut. one of those comes out shortcut we, the card uh, basically we say, yeah every time one of those comes out we say dan oh it's a tactic and you're like so <laughs> mark could use it and you just stare at us blank face mark is a mark, mark is a devotion to blue deck pretty much entirely he definitely could use some other tactics but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, i mean i guess also his his elder sign which we haven't really talked about for, for any of the guardians is is relatively weak compared to some of the investigators zoe's i guess being the best among the guardians we've seen so far yeah it's just the elder sign is always kind of unreliable in the sense that like you can't really count on it so we tend to not take it into account a whole lot but for sure. I, I think the real weakness for mark is just that he is very poor he doesn't really have any way to get money you know that's true of other guardians as well but especially for mark like agency backup would be a great card for him 
but I think he just really can't afford it very well. Right. So it's, it's fine. Like he, he's good enough to make up for that, but that is definitely like the one thing that you sometimes wish you had access to like a little bit more money. Yeah. Kind of bottlenecks him. What if you run, uh, the 45 Tommy gun card that the name is escaping me, the hybrid card, the upgrades, the dual class. I thought it was the green version of it that gets you money though. It's the blue no, one, isn't it? It's the blue one. Oh, really? Oh, it's the blue one. The blue one, you shoot money and then you yeah. use active desperation and you chuck it. So you get it like a net five money. And then it boomerangs back with reliable. Eh? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sure. You can do that <laughs> if you want. I mean, I, I, I certainly won't stop you. We've, we basically already talked about this, but in terms of what kind of role Mark can play, he, Mark can be in a three or four player game, the person that just kills pretty much all of the enemies that you need to deal with. He can also do a little bit of healing on the side, which is really good. Mark already benefits from playing healing cards, and a lot of those work for other investigators in the group as well. So Mark can keep people alive when he's not uh, keeping bad guys dead. And, uh, do you have uh, specific cards, perhaps, to answer the next question? <laughs> oh, sure. I think the cards that Mark likes in particular is anything that heals. So like Second Wind is an excellent Mark card that I you probably yeah. don't play in other investigators, really. Also, the, the Hallowed Mirror Soothing Melody thing, Upgraded First Aid is pretty good. And also, um, any ally or other card that wants to take damage. So like Beat Cop, Guard Dog, to a lesser extent because it's expensive, Brother Xavier, and Agency Backup also expensive. But anything that gives you a way to take damage to pay for some effect, and then also you get to draw a card, that's really good. Yeah, and like kind of playing off of that, when you look at Mark, he has five sanity, and we listed that as a weakness for Roland. The fact that he already just really loves healing cards and Mirror is already just added to the Guardian Pool as a great addition that heals, it's a really versatile that heals horror, and already wanting a first aid, really just kind of dismisses it as a possibility for him to take too much horror and go insane. Yeah, it, it's still something to keep an eye on and be careful about, but you usually it's not as much of an issue as it is for Roland or some other characters, I think. Yeah, exactly. And then, so this is kind of the the kind of like meme joke that that we always do or that I always do for Mark. But I think John Wick is like the perfect Mark movie because everything points to it. They're both extremely violent uh, murder heroes. <laughs> they both they both have dead wives. Mark loves playing guard dog, and guard dog generally dies during the course of the game. Guard dog also doesn't have a name, like John Wick's dog. <laughs> Mar- Mark also, uh, unlike other investigators that maybe are kind of like pushed in the direction of either firearms or knives and stabby things, Mark is pretty flexible. Mark is probably going to use both, just like John Wick. Yeah, I I think that this is a really incredible coincidental alignment between uh, the greatest modern movie franchise and the greatest. Uh, Arkham Horror Guardian Investigator. So that's definitely what I would pick as the movie that Mark would star in. I mean, it's pretty good. I don't know if John Wick was in the military. He but... was in like the Russian hitman assassin cult squad, which is basically like the super military for extremely cool guys. Well, then no complaint. No complaint then. Perfect match. <laughs> <laughs> but also, when you set your encounter deck down and you have Mark already on the field, whispers in the wind, Papa Yaga, Papa Yaga. <laughs> exactly exactly so yeah mark is great again we we already uh i think sing his praises ad nauseum but uh mark's the man he's he's the dude for sure let's move on then let's do it the next investigator we're going to talk about is leo anderson uh dane it's actually pronounced larry i know it's spelled l-e-o but it is definitely yeah do you larry. mean do you mean the ally leo deluca i'm sorry <laughs> we all know that's not an investigator in this game larry anderson the expedition leader has a lot of great strength revolving around allies. He has a pretty good stat pool. He does have a high will, just like Zoe sharing that four will. He's got 
three intellect, which kind of helps him sometimes with clues. He's got four combat, which is kind of the, the benchmark for guardians. And he has an abysmal one agility because he's an old man. And he has an ability where after your turn begins, he can play an ally asset, reducing its cost by one. He kind of has this play around allies where he can get them in cheaper. He can get more of them. His signature and weakness card both revolve around it. His signature card being Mitch Brown, the sole survivor, uh, who allows you to have two additional ally slots, which could be used to hold non-unique allies. So that's like beat cops, your guard dogs, other things of that nature. And essentially what he wants to do is he kind of makes up for his weakness of not having great agility and maybe not being able to escape the, the grasping hands of the mythos by having his allies tank it for him. So he's not a, he's not afraid to throw his friends in danger because he's an old man that is definitely probably narcoleptic sometimes. Yeah, no, you're right. His strength definitely focuses on he can play allies, uh, especially disposable ones, and he can play them cheaply, and he can really benefit off of that. And there are a lot of good guardian allies. Yeah. For sure. And rogue. Yeah. Yeah, he also has access to rogue 0 to 2. Including his almost namesake, Leo DeLuca. Yeah. yeah. It's spelled the same, but pronounced differently. Just remember that. Exa- uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> The rogue cards really help him, like, both with money to help pay for those allies, even though he does get them at a discount. And also he can get uh, other fun rogue tricks, like succeed by two effects or getting extra actions and whatnot. Yeah, we we mentioned this earlier that, uh, you know, Zoe kind of escapes the Guardian uh, poverty trap by using her ability. And Larry kind of manages to get out of it by just having access to green cards so he can play cards that give him extra money. Which is good, because it means it helps him afford the kind of expensive allies and things like agency backup. Yeah. Or even B-Cop, which is certainly not cheap. Which is notably, both actually are non-unique allies, which Mitch helps out. Well, there you go. And Larry's definitely a guy who's probably going to take two Charismas eventually anyway, right? Yeah. For sure. Charisma is good for a lot of the Guardians, just because there's a lot of good allies in Guardian that are like cheap and have like universally good effects. But yeah, he definitely likes having lots of friends that are disposable. Yeah, and I think we can't stress enough his goodwill just going such a long way. For Zoe, it's kind of like she has the God argument where, you know, God told her and she's a very willful, strong person because of it. Larry's just seen some shit. It's after the war now. He's just, he's seen it all. And he's he's tired of it. He doesn't want anything to do with these tentacles, whatever. It doesn't matter. You know, like, spooky spooky voices in the wind. No, 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 no. Yeah, I mean, Zoe's filled with conviction. He's just, like, tired and, like, grumpy. Probably kind of stubborn, too stubborn to die, you know, type of thing. Yeah, it's almost kind of a... It almost kind of bleeds into the survivor area of the flavor of the game a little bit. But Larry just kind of has this uh, motif to him where it's like, look, maybe everyone else is going to die here in this horrible, disgusting jungle. But, uh, you know, he's definitely going to make it out okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, his buddy Mitch. He always always survives sometimes. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) 60% 60% of the time, he always survives. <laughs> but weaknesses, um, obviously his agility is really low. It's really hard for him to evade stuff. As we talked about, I think the last episode, he's really sad if he has a weakness that like requires him to be able to evade. <laughs> for some reason, he's trapped in a different room by himself while he's playing on solo. God. Uh, he, might be, <laughs> he might be very sad. Sounds like your worst nightmare. I think it's a little hard for him to compensate for that low agility. I don't know if there's rogue cards that can help him like automatically evade or you can play decoy or something i guess suggestion. suggestion yeah i mean i think the agility thing I, I don't know how big a problem that is necessarily like in some scenarios it's rough depending on how the encounter deck is set up 
But uh, I think that he lends himself to a type of deck that just takes a lot of time to get set up and plays a lot of assets, including allies. So yeah, true. a lot of these Guardians, you want to be able to just put down a weapon on turn one and immediately be able to fight whatever comes out of the encounter deck. And Leo can kind of do that, but I just think his decks... He is a very good investigator, but I think that his decks tend to be kind of a little bit clunky and take some setup. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, even he, he does get some help from... Uh, his triggered ability after your turn begins, you can play an ally asset, raising your class by one. But even still, right. I think that that was implemented because of that fact. Yeah, probably. So just kind of coming off of talking about, you know, cards that he likes, Charisma obviously really helps synergize. The way we've played Larry is as kind of an auxiliary guardian. He can certainly take up the, f- the forefront with using all the awesome guardian weapons like Flamethrower and things like that, getting a big, big gun sort of Larry deck. But he can also benefit really greatly from just having some beat cops and running some typical guardian weapons, like 45s, enchanted blades, things like that. Yeah, he can definitely serve as either your primary fighter, or he can go in a little bit more of the hybrid direction with uh, cards that help him get clues and kind of do more utility things. So he can be, I think, pretty flexible in that in that scenario. Is he? Uh, have you guys tried playing with him in solo or duo? Is he decent in lower player counts? I have played him in duo, and he works pretty well. Um, Again, he's got the agency backup, which is just an all-star for Larry. He also has access to intel report from rogues that helps him get some clues. He's got access to stand together if he needs a little bit of card draw and more money. All the common guardian things. But I think one of his major boons is that he can take adaptable, uh, which can be really, really strong for going into certain situations where you might know know what's going to happen. For example, if you're going into... A cultist-heavy scenario, you might choose handcuffs or to swap in some better things to help deal with uh, agility tests more or something like that. Yeah, I don't think I've actually played him in duo or solo, but I know that in multiplayer, if we're talking about cards that he likes, uh, I've had a good time doing like an expensive shotgun build with a double <laughs> enough thing thrown in there to do like, uh, with a bunch of vicious lows to do like 12, 16 damage or something ridiculous with all the cards Scabo did. Uh, I love doing that, but like flamethrower's pretty strong on him, uh, just because he has the money to be able to refill it with like extra ammo or even contraband. Venturers again being a great ally for him. Yeah, venturers. Yeah, and and definitely the standard good guardian allies like uh, agency backup, beat cop, maybe guard dog. Those are all good, and Leo Deluca too. Like it, really, any allies are are pretty good for him. Yeah, I mean, I think we're covering all the cards that he really enjoys going into, but, uh, you know, Charisma, all the aforementioned allies, even things like upgraded Emergency Cash uh, Level 3, because he can put more supplies on his Venturer, things like that. We've also, I think, seen... um... We've seen people try to use decorated skull with with Larry as well, which is yeah. sort of if you're if you're getting allies killed, it can kind of be good. I don't know if it's necessarily going to radically make your deck better, but it's at least it's kind of like a fun thing to try. Yeah. yeah, I've tried it in him, but I think, was that before Lucky Cigarette his case came out? Oh, oh yeah. Because now yes. he's that. <laughs> yeah, Cigarette oh. case is probably just <laughs> definitely better. I've tried, I also tried like, a, what is it, Hired Guard or... Oh, Hired Muscle? Yeah, the one that gives like, it costs you money every turn to keep it out, but it gives you like plus one fight. It's like a good like disposable ally for him uh, to like soak a little bit and he has enough money to like pay for it for a couple turns. And he can play it for free the first turn. Oh, yeah. So. We would also advise against the usage of Cat Burglar. <laughs> Doesn't Catman let you like automatically evade or something? Isn't that the one that's just plus one agility? It's it's plus one agility, and then he can also pseudo evade an enemy. He can kind of move away from the location and disengage it, but it definitely will jump on somebody else if they're still at the location. I think I think my headcanon for Larry is that he is Wendy's uncle. 
or a surrogate uncle or something. And uh, he does not want to leave his little niece with a delightful, huge ghoul to deal with. Although she'll, she'll probably be fine. That that feels grim. My my kind of Larry headcanon is he's not a good guy. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I, would, I would get kind of like a series of unfortunate events vibe off of that relationship, I think. But uh, I, I guess speaking of this, the, the movie that uh, the movie that I thought Larry would star in. So I think that his design on the card and in previous Arkham Files games is kind of a, a riff on um, Heart of Darkness a little bit. So yeah, for sure. I, I think Apocalypse Now, which is kind of like the, the Vietnamization of uh, Heart of Darkness, uh, and also a really great movie, and also a movie that kind of has some some you know thematic synergy with uh, with the Arkham Files at least a little bit. He also, I mean, if you just if you just look at him, he looks like a less bald, slightly less chubby, old ish Brando, Brando from Apocalypse yeah. Now. Like it's it's pretty it's pretty on the nose, I think. So that's definitely the movie that I think that uh, Larry would star in. Yeah, no face paint yet, but maybe the disenchanted old veteran might be uh, might be certainly there. Yeah, certainly. And he's, uh, I mean the. This is this is certainly like a like a hacky joke, but uh, you know he can even take the horror, the horror, because he has six sanity. So you know, <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> oof, yeah, I feel I feel bad about even saying that. <laughs> so uh, the last two investigators we've talked about uh, another cast when they were first released, Carolyn and Tommy. But in the service of putting them in the context of uh, of the other guardians and kind of comparing them, it would be useful to talk about them a little bit. Yeah. So Carolyn Fern, she's the psychologist. Uh, she's a three four two two. Uh, her ability is whenever one of her card effects heals horror from investigator and ally, the card's control gets a resource. So, you know, that person gets money when they heal horror. She's often healing horror off of herself. She's got six health, nine sanity, which is kind of the reverse of all of the other guardians. Her deck building is a little weird. She's got like zero to three guardian. She can take cards that heal horror, and then she can take like 15 other seeker mystic cards, like little zero to one, and also neutral cards. I think up until up until some of the new Dream Eaters investigators, I think she certainly had the most complicated deck building rules in the game. Yeah, she was previewed in a novella, so I was like, oh, this is weird. But her her, her cards are Hypnotic Therapy and Rational Thought. Hypnotic Therapy is an asset that she can exhaust to heal a horror, and the person that she heals a horror from draws a card. Or it has a reaction on it that lets her heal horror more efficiently uh, with her other card effects. And then her weakness is a rational thought that prevents her from healing horror from anything other than rational thought, which gets four horror put on it. So it kind of like shuts down her investigator's abilities until she deals with that. Pretty rough. Yeah, it's one of the one of the rougher weaknesses uh, if she's like trying to furiously heal. And speaking of rough weaknesses, we should maybe just not even talk about her alternate signature cards from the novella. <laughs> oh God! Because uh, uh, yeah, her uh, yeah. Let, let's not even mention it. Apart from the say, do not play her novella cards. Because it's just a really, it's just a really bad scene, for sure. I like the flavor of them, but uh, they're rough. Yeah, you'd be foolish to play them for sure. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, we talked about her before. After having four fighting focused guardians, she's not really fighting focused. She can do a little bit in a pinch, but she's really much more clue focused because she's got that four intellect. She has decent willpower at a three, but dealing with enemies is not her primary goal. So she's definitely more about the healing and protection side of guardian i think that's why she's a guardian but she can lean very heavy into getting clues yeah and we should say right at the top our recommendation if you make a carolyn deck and carolyn's pretty good you know it's it's a it's a fine character to play don't go too hard into the just healing horror thing completely that's definitely useful as kind of like a little sub theme of the deck and you you help people get money because of it that's really cool but 
you just need to be careful because there will be times where no one has taken enough horror, uh, unless you have like a lot of stuff in your deck that lets you take horror to, to get some kind of an advantage. You really want to go pretty hard usually towards getting clues, and then you play the sanity healing stuff as kind of like your secondary theme, and that usually turns out to be a pretty good deck. Yeah, it's definitely her strength is getting clues. Yeah, definitely. As far as a role for her, anyway, she's definitely a good clue finder. Yeah, and, and just being able to play a pretty wide variety of cards, too. Like, she really has access to a lot of cards. Oh, yeah, yeah. For her weakness, so I, I played Carolyn recently in our All Guardians run, so I want to talk a little bit of rational thought. It's not a horrible weakness in the sense that it doesn't. it's not going to kill you. It kind of just turns off her ability for a while. But if your deck is based around getting that income, healing yourself and stuff like that, getting that turned off is pretty bad, and it does take pretty much like an entire turn at least to deal with rational thought. So it's not like some of these less awkward weaknesses like Shellshocked or even Dirge of Reason or something. It's sort of a weakness that you have to know is there, and if you're going to find it, it's probably going to take you at least a turn to deal with, so you just kind of have to know about that. Yeah, there can be little scares, like if she's paired with somebody to make up their weakness, like Roland or Silas, who have not a great ability to deal with soaking sanity, where you might fall into the trap of, well, you know, I want you to heal me, but you can't because of rational thought. Now, like, you know, there's there's kind of a, a black hole, so to speak, where you can't do it, but... Right. Yeah. As far as weaknesses go, she's, I mentioned, not great at fighting stuff, naturally. She has access to a couple cards that can help her deal with monsters, but she struggles on that because of the 2-2 two -two in both monster relevant stats yeah she can get like spells like shriveling but even then her willpower you have to kind of build around that and that could be a lot more difficult yeah even kind of segueing from there to talk about her role she might not be so good as a solo or, or duo character at least not that i can see i don't know if you guys have ever tried that she seems like definitely a better fit in a three or even ideally a four person group yeah i think so too yeah i agree uh, I had definitely tried her in two-player, and she didn't have too much to heal. She's decent getting clues, but I don't know. It felt a lot more, a lot less effective than like when I played her in four-player or seen you guys play her. Oh, we we definitely when the novella first came out, Dane definitely tried playing. We, Dane and I tried a two-player game where he was playing Carolyn. <laughs> oh no, I forgot about that. No. Yeah, that that was with the bad cards from the novella, and it was it ended very badly, very. Fast. Oh my god, we talked about that on an episode too. <laughs> yeah. And the only other thing I'd say in terms of Carolyn's role, some of these investigators have kind of like ideal partners that they can be paired with. If you have Agnes in your group, that's really good as Carolyn because you have someone that can can take horror to extremely good effect. It's going to play cards like Forbidden Knowledge. So you always have someone to heal and the more you heal her, the more damage she can do. So there's other investigators like that too, but Agnes is probably like the primary She's one. She's the single best investigator, I would say, yeah. I mean, she synchronizes pretty well also with the new Solemn Vow, taking horror off of other people with people playing agency backup. She can't play it because it's level five. But <laughs> um, we talked about the Guardian run, like it was great to throw that on people with agency backup and have them get clues and you siphon it off onto Peter, who's uh has a lot of head trauma. He has to go visit her a lot. That's like a great way for her to make money and to heal horror. I don't know. Is there other, other good cards that you like for healing horror? Things like Upgraded Clarity of Mind is the kind of like powerful card that, you know, uh, sometimes is overkill. Peter's definitely really good. I think also just, just in general for Carolyn, the key of St. Hubert, the neck that gives you both intellect and will is just great because she probably wants both of those stats. And it, it also, it heals horror. So it doesn't count against her 15 cards. Yeah. I was going to say that's the single biggest card she would need in her kit because it just boosts her willpower to pretty good and it boosts her intellect to be great. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, she she just has access to such a wide variety of cards. She can play Pathfinder, which is great. Like, she doesn't really need it, but it's always amazing. Yeah. So lo lots of great uh, Carolyn cards out there. So as far as her movie goes, 
we're having a tough time finding something that was psychology related, but also interesting enough to fit in the bounds of her character. Yeah, we we thought we'd cast her in uh, The Sixth Sense because, uh, you know, it's a kind of a movie about a psychologist that's uh, kind of interacting with people. I don't know. Maybe that's not specific enough, but it seemed, seemed like kind of a good fit right seems good yeah it was all right i don't know maybe uh someone can suggest a better option <laughs> we thought about the uh the hbo show in treatment which was about therapists helping people but none of us have seen it and it sounded really boring so we didn't want <laughs> to pick that one and treatment lovers speak up let us know how it is yeah what what are what are your favorite episodes uh, <laughs> let's uh let's go ahead and move on to our, our final investigator though yeah so the last guardian as of now the game is great, but this is the Guardian we're talking about today. Tommy Muldoon, the rookie cop. He has three will, three intellect, four combat, two agility. Uh, he's a police. He has the ability, when an asset you control is defeated, uh, you gain a certain amount of resources. So X, where X is the total amount of damage and horror on that asset, then you shuffle it into your deck. He has eight health and six sanity, so he's pretty uh, even stats there. And his deck building options, he has zero to five Guardian. 0 to 5 neutral, and then survivor level 0 to 2. So Tommy likes to play off of things that can soak damage and horror for him, and he's got a lot of great uh, accessibility stretching into the survivor class for that. Tommy's signature is Becky, custom Marlin model 1894. It's a two-handed weapon that uses two ammo, and every resource gained from his ability will instead be placed on Becky as ammo. As an option. Um, and then he can spend one ammo fight and get two combat to deal one damage. Yeah, it's it's like a it's like a cheap, good weapon with low ammo, but if he can keep having assets defeated, he can kind of keep refilling the ammo on it. Yeah. Yeah, so it synergizes pretty well with, with kind of his whole game plan, and he's got a lot of strong options in both Survivor and Guardian for pretty much doing what he needs to be doing, which is fighting things and investigating. His weakness is rookie mistake. It is a blunder, flaw. It basically makes him discard all of his assets with either damage or horror on them. Um, and then if no assets are discarded, uh, it gets shuffled back into his deck. So it punishes him for doing exactly kind of what he wants to be doing. So if he has like high cost things out, like Brother Xavier, or maybe even just a leather coat that you've kind of been trying to put damage on, it'll just wipe all that away. And it's kind of kind of awful. Yeah, it can it can kind of ruin your day a little bit. So you kind of mentioned it. So his his strength is he has access to those survivor cards, which gives him a lot of flexibility. Yeah, he's good at fighter as usual, and he has decent intellect and willpower. So he can be good at soaking damage from his allies, or rather other investigators, um, or like wanting to, like if somebody has to take the AOO, then he might be like, oh, I'll take it because uh, it'll kill my leather coat and I'll get a buck. Especially with, with cards like, uh, we're getting into the cards thing, but like True Grit or Brother Xavier, like he can play cards that let him prevent damage on other people and then benefit from taking it for on his own assets. Yeah. yeah. More of a selfless kind of role. Haven't had as much experience playing him because he's the newest one. So it's a little bit tougher to focus in on like if he's better at four player or solo or whatever. Yeah. On that note, I've played him a little bit because I'm playing him in one half of our Dream Eaters uh, playthrough. And it seems like it's it's a lot harder than I expected to actually get his assets killed. Like it seems like uh, you really have to either like recklessly like try really hard to get hit by enemies or you have to, I don't know, try to fail encounter tests. Like it, it's sort of tough. I mean, because you want to do it in order to get money or to refill Becky, right? Yeah, it's a little bit counterintuitive because usually as a guardian, you're like, oh, I'm just going to murder this. You don't necessarily want to take AOOs, <laughs> but like, 
I think that's kind of the idea. It's like maybe he's he's a little bit more flexible. I'm like, oh, it's okay if the monster hits me this turn or whatever. Yeah, he almost plays more to his survivor side, right? Yeah, he can. I was going to say, like, weakness-wise, weakness, weakness wise, he doesn't have natural card draw. And every time Astic gets killed, it gets cycled back into his deck. So I know when I played him, I was struggling a bit to, like, actually get more cards to play out that I wanted to kill again to get money. <laughs> so I think I haven't quite worked that out yet, but I don't know if you ran into that when you were playing him, Dan. Maybe a little bit. I mean, I only played him for one scenario, so it's really hard to tell. But uh, he, he's definitely really interesting. I think it's like you said, we kind of need to play with him a little bit more and try to see what the best decks for him are going to be like. Yeah, I mean, on paper, I think that he's got a lot of potential with card draw via Survivor, right? He's got, like, Rabbit's Foot, he's got Drawing Thin, mm-hmm. he's got Take Heart, which are all parts of the fail package that he can put in. He takes all those... And he attacks a monster with Retaliate, purposely failing, gets AOO, kills all the stuff, oh. draws cards. Genius. We got and it. And then the monster's still there. <laughs> it is still there. It is tough, though, because you have to try to fit the kind of standard Guardian package of weapons and things. Then you need to fit extra assets that you wouldn't normally play, like Leather Coat or Cherished Keepsake. Then you also have to try to fit maybe, like, the fail package stuff from Survivor. Like, it can be really hard to know, like, how to actually fit all that stuff in his deck. Yeah. I mean, that said, I think that... He should be okay in, in solo duo, too, just because of the survivor cards. He's got access to, like, winging it and stuff like that, so might not be as great in larger player counts, just because some other Guardians can just do a lot of things that he struggles with doing if he hits his weakness, and, um, you know, just like kind of Ben mentioned, not being able to get his stuff killed, so he can't benefit from his abilities as much. Yeah, I'd agree. I think in terms of a role, he kind of fits as maybe kind of like a weirder Roland, where he's probably better in solo or duo as as being like a, a sort of a hybrid character. In terms of uh, Tommy's favorite cards, we already kind of talked about some a little bit. Definitely cheap assets that can get defeated and give him money. So things like Cherished Keepsake, Leather Coat, allies that are disposable, definitely important. A lot of the survivor cards he has access to, a lot of those assets are like cheap, but have health and sanity. So those are like as you said, Cherish Keeps Cake, Leather Coat, yeah. uh, even Madame LeBranche. Uh, nope. Nope. No. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're playing him in solo or duo, then kind of the survivor clue package of cards like Winging It, maybe, or Look What I Found, or uh, maybe the new Fortuitous Discovery, but uh, sort of like the Guiding Spirit, the, the red cards that can help you get clues might be something you'd want to play if you were making like a solo Tommy deck. Yeah, for sure. It's tragic that Guiding Spirit was eroded. It's not over that. That was my most excited... <laughs> The combo I was most excited for. Aww. Would it be too cheeky to say rest in peace? Uh, uh. Well, remember, remember, Ben, the taboo list is whatever you want it to be. You, yeah, can, but... <laughs> you can play it however you <laughs> this want. This isn't a taboo, though. It's an errata, which is an official change of the card. Yeah, of course. Movie? A rookie cop. Movie. We, yeah, we were originally going to go with Hot Fuzz, as that's a movie that we love very much, but um, we thought that, uh, so there's a, a really great early Kurosawa movie called Stray Dog. That's about a rookie cop who loses his gun. He gets it stolen by a pickpocket, which uh, is is a pretty big deal, I think, even today in the United States. But in Japan in the 40s is an even bigger deal. So the rest of the movie is kind of like a kind of a shaggy dog story about him traveling around the city, trying to figure out what happened to his gun and trying to catch the criminal that took it. And he's a rookie cop. And hey, you know who else is a rookie cop? Tommy Muldoon. So maybe check out Stray Dog. It's a really good movie. Or any other Kurosawa movie for that matter. How did his giant shotgun get stolen? Uh, well, it was actually a much smaller gun. <laughs> again, again, I mean, uh, he's sort of on a motorcycle, right? Well, hang on. That's actually one thing that is a little bit weird about Tommy. Why is his signature gun this like big rifle that I don't think a cop would be carrying that around, right? It's a custom, custom gun. I don't know. He likes guns. 
I also like starting his motorcycle, which is not included at all in Arkham Horror, the card game, but it is in all the other versions. But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess maybe maybe it's like you know he's more than just a cop. He's also a guy that really likes having an old gun. So you know, congratulations yeah. and making rookie mistakes, just like in Stray Dog. It would be great if there was a Tommy novella that added different signature cards, and his signature card was a motorcycle instead. That'd be very cool. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. It'd be a good option. Maybe it'll be a footwear. <laughs> <laughs> That would, uh, yeah, that would sort of maybe not entirely not make sense. So uh, <laughs> anyway, so that's kind of a, a little survey of the Guardians that are in the game right now, kind of comparing them a little bit. They're all pretty fun. Uh, it's definitely, you don't need a Guardian in, in your group if you have a three or four player uh, group, but usually you do. Usually you have one. It's good to help fight things. And uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's pretty fun. We're, we're having a good time in our all Guardian run. We should also mention we uh we we're going to make a kind of basic example deck list for each of these characters and put it up on our ArkhamDB page, which is mur podcast. So if you search on ArkhamDB, you can see kind of our little examples of what each of these guardians would look like as a completed deck. For sure. So some other exciting news: we are once again partnering with the innkeeper Vase Odin to give out some awesome prizes as part of this year's Blackest Friday contest. So to participate, all you guys have to do is take a photo of your auto-fail face. So this would be the reaction face that you make when you draw the auto-fail token from the Chaos Bag on a crucial do-or-die test. So next time you guys sit down at the gaming table for an Arkham Horror scenario, take a photo of yourself or a friend drawing the auto-fail token and make it your hashtag auto-fail face and send it to comments at mur.fm. You can also submit a drawing if you don't want to take a photo, but we'd like to see your faces. And don't worry, Dane will be posting an example of his face so everybody knows <laughs> exactly what's going on. I would do it, but my autofill face is just a game face because I'm always 100% in the moment and fully <laughs> focused on complete victory. I might just sit my autofill token on my cat's head and then post that. That might be fine. <laughs> <laughs> but either way, just make sure to include a mailing address just so that we can send out all the prizes. Everybody who enters will receive our Charisma fan promo card that we gave out at Arkham Knights this year. Which looks really, really cool. Uh, our friend Andy did a great job with the art. Shout out to Andy. Shout out to Andy. Our two favorite entries will also receive a copy of this year's two council cards. Purifying Corruption and Shrine of the Mirai, designed by the Impure... Including Dane! Hooray! <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the Mirai. And the owner of our number one favorite autofail face will receive a copy of every official standalone scenario released so far, generously provided by the innkeeper himself. That means Curse of the Rougarou, Carnival of Horrors, The Prince of Lunacy, Guardians of the Abyss, and Murder at the Excelsior Hotel. So send in your entries by November 29th and remember to include your mailing address. The winning entries will be posted on our website sometime in early December. One more thing, if you're heading out to PAX Unplugged this year, Ben and I will be there. We're planning on hosting a Blob That Ate Everything event. Keep your eye on our blog, Instagram, the Reddit, or the Facebook group for more details soon to come. I will not be there, unfortunately, as I live in the California, but I will be there in spirit and uh, say hi to Gritty for me. No! Does that mean... No, never <laughs> do not acknowledge that abomination of Eldritch Horrors. <laughs> Gritty's the best. We're, we're 100% what? team Gritty. Whoa, whoa, wait a second. Where did you fall into this line of belief? Because that's... He's amazing. He's the uh, best. He's an uh, ancient god that has arisen and is going to destroy us all. You just hate fun things. That's the <laughs> entire problem here. You just hate fun things. What what sport is Gritty a mascot for? Uh, ice sticks. Ah, damn it. Okay, so you did you did know that one. Fine. 
So, with all that said, guys, we can wrap this episode up. Do you agree with our movie choices for The Guardians? What movie do you think Lola would star in? As a Guardian, obviously. Comment wherever you listen to podcasts or email us at comments at mur.fm. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Hello and welcome to Miss Fuck. <laughs> Hello and welcome. Jesus. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Mr. Tonic University Radio. Oh, oh, no. A podcast exploring <laughs> fantasy plates, card game, or something. I'm I dead. <laughs> oh, and welcome. Welcome to our show. Sally sells she sores by the siege pack. Welcome. To the greatest episode of Miskatonic <laughs> University Radio that has ever been that, recorded. That hasn't included Matt Newman. <laughs> Hold on to your butts. Okay, I think I'm ready.